Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Words are important. I think most people would agree with that statement. The way we speak, what we say, even how we say it is important. Uh, For one thing, uh, words can mean so many different things. Pastor Jeff has actually used this one before, but once upon a time, the word awful was best known for actually meaning that something was solemnly impressive or inspiring or literally full of awe. Nowadays, when we hear the word awful, though, we think of something terrible or, or bad, not impressive. Um, and that's actually a freebie for you guys, because now you can use the word awful to describe the sermon today. And I'm going to know exactly what you're talking about, that you were full of awe. Before we get too far into this awful sermon, uh, I do want to introduce myself to you guys. My name is Brendan Anderson. I am the student ministries pastor here at the church, and I love words. I think just in general, we don't use words to their fullest capabilities, especially in the English language. I know this because there are other languages in the world that have words that literally have no real translation in English. Now, to demonstrate this, I thought that I could use just about any language in the word, but I chose um, the, the language of love, German, because I think that they have some of the best words that, that don't entirely connect for us. They're going to be up on the screens in case you want to write them down and add them into your guys' vernacular for day-to-day use. Uh, the first one is this. It's Fernweh. Fernweh. Quick disclaimer before we go too far into German. Uh, If you are German or speak German and I pronounce any of these words correctly, please let me know. Um, If I do not pronounce them correctly, I don't need to know that. Um, So just so you guys know. Fernweh is uh, directly translated distance pain. Distance pain. And it describes the feeling of wanting to be somewhere else. Okay, it's kind of like reverse homesickness or just a longing for a place that isn't where you are right now. So please don't use Fahrenheit to describe being at church today. That's going to hurt my feelings. But uh, you can use this because we're, we're in a pandemic and there's lots of travel plans that have been canceled, vacations that we haven't gotten to go on. And you might, you might finally have a word to describe that feeling you've had. And it's Fahrenheit. You just, you want to be somewhere else. The next one is Fremschämen. Uh, And it is exterior shame is the direct translation. Um, I feel this one so hard. I saw this and I was like, man, a word that finally explains how I feel. Um, This is for those of you who cringe when other people make a fool of themselves, okay? It's exterior shame. It's not shame for you. It's shame for them. Um, It describes the feeling of shame when you see someone or, or something else in an embarrassing or uncomfortable situation. For some of you, you probably can't stand watching The Office, and this is why, because you have a large amount of fremshamen that you just experience watching those kinds of things happen. The next one's my favorite. It's also the hardest to pronounce. Bear with me. Dreikeseho, which means three cheeses high. 
Um, it is not the name of a pizza that you can order. However, if you were to run a pizza place, you could probably use it. Um, what this actually describes is a person who is vertically challenged, okay? <laughs> Literally, when they are only three cheese wheels stacked on top of each other <laughs> high, they would be called dreigeso. <laughs> the last one that I have for you guys is kumerspec. Kumerspec means grief bacon. Okay, so uh, this word is used after an emotional breakup, a fight, um, just being upset in general, okay? What it means is the excess weight that you put on by emotional overeating, that's kumerspec. So when you find yourself on the couch after a breakup, you're binging Netflix, you have a tub of ice cream, you're literally feeding your grief bacon uh, in that moment. Now, I, I know what you're thinking, and you're right. German has way cooler words than the English language. Um, but we still have some super funny, interesting things that are happening with our language as well. We know that the same word can be pronounced multiple different ways. Um, and sometimes it changes what it means when you pronounce it in a different way. There are also some words that are spelled completely different than you would expect them to be spelled based on just how we pronounce them. Anyone in the military, any colonels in the room can attest to this. Uh, there's absolutely no reason colonel should be spelled the way that it is spelled. Um, and some words, they don't even need to be pronounced or spelled differently for them to have a completely different meaning than we would expect. One of my absolute favorite examples of this is the fact that you can say buffalo eight times in a row, and it not only is a complete full sentence, but it is also one of the funniest sentences in the English language. It's going to be up on the screens so you guys can write it down. Buffalo, 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 okay? Full sentence. Some of you know what I just said. Most of you probably do not. So I thought that we could expound a little bit. The reason this works is because buffalo describes an animal. It can also uh, be the place of the city of Buffalo, like Buffalo, New York. Um, but Buffalo also means to intimidate. And so this could be um, written or read in a different way. It could be this instead. Those Buffalo, Buffalo, whom Buffalo, 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 <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. <laughs> exactly. But that still doesn't make a ton of sense, okay? I mean, we added a couple words, but we still said Buffalo a lot. So I thought we could expand it Another time, okay, so now we can read it like this. Those buffaloes, oh, those buffaloes, from Buffalo that are intimidated by buffaloes from Buffalo intimidate buffaloes from Buffalo. <laughs> Finally, I wanted to give us a super easy way to read this. I also wanted to see how many times I could say buffalo in one sermon. The final way to read this sentence is actually this, that bison from Buffalo, New York, who are intimidated by other bison in their community, also happen to intimidate other bison in their community. Or easier, buffalo, 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 buffalo. Now you may be asking, what on earth is going on? Why, why are we talking about German and buffalo? I don't, I don't even speak these languages. Where could he possibly be going with this? Well, apart from them being just a really, really fun and just silly, um, it's a reminder that not everything is as it seems. Um, that there are words that, that have different meanings, that on, on the surface, it might not make a ton of sense, but when we dig a little bit deeper and have knowledge of the words that we're using and what they mean, we, we can make some sense. We can learn more about what's happening. 
Scripture we call God's word. In it, he has revealed to us everything we need to know about him, about Jesus. I mean, scripture tells us who Jesus is, what he came to the earth to do. It it teaches us how we should live our lives. But similarly to the words in German, um, I think scripture has some really unique things about the language that it was written in that we actually lose out on because of our English translation. There are times in scripture where the words that are used especially matter. But the English we read doesn't have quite the same impact as it would in the original language. Now, I wanna be careful. Just up, up front, here's a disclaimer. I'm not saying that you have to read the Bible in Hebrew or in Greek in order to understand what God wants us to know, or that every single passage in scripture has some hidden deep meaning that you need a Bible degree or, or the knowledge of a foreign language in order to understand. I don't believe that. What I truly believe is that God has spoken to us in the languages that we understand and that he used the Holy Spirit to work divinely through people who have translated it for us. I do believe that. So, so it doesn't take a Bible degree, doesn't take knowledge of Greek or Hebrew in order to know what God desires of you. But I do think there are times where English, you, you just can't use it to explain the richness or the complexity of the text. That there are times when we can dig a little deeper. And that's what I'm inviting you to join me in on today. It's going to look a little bit different. Okay, rather than a sermon, what we're doing today could more accurately be called a word study or a passage dissection. But please don't tune out. Okay, I know some of you, you heard those words. You already glazed over a bit. I promise it's going to be fun. It's going to be completely worth it. We're actually going to start with our main scripture today. So instead of a big idea and our main point, we're going to start with our main scripture today. And it's one of my favorites in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 21. It's going to be verses 15 through 17. Okay, John 21, 15 through 17. If you have your Bibles, you can actually turn there right now. If you forgot your Bible, all the verses that we're gonna look at today, everything we look at today is gonna be up on the screen so that you can follow along there. And if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, please don't leave the church today without one. We'd love to give you one. It's our absolute honor. We want you to take one. Uh, Just stop by guest services out in the lobby, ask for a Bible. They'd love to give you one. Uh, We're going to do just some quick context before we dive into scripture because, as always, context determines meaning. And so we need to know exactly what is happening in this story in order for it to really make sense for us. So the scene we're picking up on is after Jesus' resurrection, okay? He's, He's died on the cross. He's risen from the grave. And even more specifically, uh, this would have been about the third time that he has appeared to his disciples. So the disciples, they're on a beach one morning and uh, they're hanging out. It's uh, Peter and uh, Thomas. The sons of Zebedee are there. So James and John and then Nathaniel, they're all there. And Peter says, hey, let's go fishing. So they all go fishing and they don't catch anything at all. They're terrible fishermen. That's why they stop being fishermen. Um, so they don't catch anything. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and somebody from the beach, they yell out. They're like, hey, did you catch any fish? And they're like, no, we didn't catch any fish. And the guy on the beach is like, well, throw your net on the other side and I bet you catch some, some fish. And this isn't the first time it's happened to them. Um, so they do it, they listen, they throw it on the other side of the boat, they catch all of these fish. And it's at that moment that the disciples start to figure out what's going on. John, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, 
he, he turns to Peter and he says, dude, I think that's Jesus on the beach, okay? Peter, knowing that John is probably correct, this, I love Peter, guys. We're gonna talk a lot about Peter today. Uh, Peter decides in this moment of realizing Jesus is on the beach, I'm in a boat, and boats do not move very quickly. He decides to jump into the water and swim himself to shore in order to get to Jesus. Now, most people just see this as a passionate, you know, he has to get to Jesus. I think there's an edge of competition there as well, because we read earlier how John actually beat Peter to Jesus's empty tomb. And so in this moment, I'm thinking Peter's like, oh, John's not beating me again. Watch this, John. I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to beat you to Jesus this time. So Peter gets to the beach. He gets to Jesus. The, The rest of the disciples, they bring the boat along. They bring the fish. Jesus is just hanging out. He's cooking fish over a fire for the disciples. They have breakfast together. And then that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 15 of our main scripture, okay? It says this. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Our big idea for today, if you want to write it down, is this. Jesus meets us where we're at. Jesus meets us where we're at. The big question then is, well, what's love got to do with it? Or, better known, what's love got to do with it? We're going to kick off our word study today with the word agape. Agape. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. It's in this first verse that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? But Jesus isn't actually using the word love. Because remember, this is uh, written in a different language. It's being written and recorded in Greek. And in the original Greek, he's actually using a different word there, and it's the word agape. It's going to be up there on the screens if you want to see what it would actually look like in the Greek text. But the word agape in Greek means love. But, but not just love. R- remember, some words from other languages, they lose their complexity. They lose their richness when we translate it into English. And the Greek is one of those languages. Um, it, it's one of those that, that the words, they can't be translated perfectly one for one, like word for word. It, it doesn't mean exactly the same. In fact, when it comes to love, the Greek language actually has seven different words that refer to some aspect or some facet of love. Four of those words we find inside of Scripture. Those four are eros, or sensual or romantic love. There's storge, which is familial love. That's love for a sibling, love for a parent. Philia, which is the intimate love that we find inside of friendship. And then agape, which we see Jesus asking here. But what does agape really mean? What kind of love is it explaining? And more importantly, what kind of love is Jesus referring to when he asks Peter this question? This term, agape, it defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. 
It, it is divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. One of the commentaries I looked up in preparing for this message, it said it this way, that biblical agape love is the love of choice, the love of serving with humility, the highest kind of love, the noblest kind of devotion, the love of the will, which is intentional, it's a conscious choice, and not motivated by superficial appearance, emotional attraction, or sentimental relationship. Another one explained it this way, that agape may involve emotion, but it must always involve action. Agape is unrestricted, unrestrained, and unconditional. Agape love is the virtue that surpasses all others and in fact is the prerequisite for all, all the others. Jesus, when asked, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? He replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. That's the word agape. But Jesus, he doesn't just ask Peter if he acapeos him. Acapeo, that's the verb that he uses. He says, do you acapeo me more than these? And, and what is these that Jesus is referring to? Is he talking about all the fish that he just caught? Is he talking about like, hey, do you love me more than the job you used to have and, and the, the, the uh, amount of stuff that you were able to, to provide for? Um, probably not. Most commentaries don't think that Jesus is talking about all the fish because remember, inside of our context, there are other people who are listening in on this conversation. So more likely, Jesus is referring to the other disciples who were, who were probably nearby and were listening and observing what was happening between Jesus and Peter very intently. You see, Peter had made some claims about the way that he loved Jesus. We're going to read about it in Matthew 26. It says this, that then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Whew, that's a bold statement, Peter. But Jesus, he responds, he's so patient. Jesus knows everything, he's so patient with us. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. I love Peter. Peter is always the boldest and loudest and first. It's something I actually love about Peter because he is a man who is unafraid of saying exactly what he believes and giving it everything he has. Some people might call it reckless. I personally, I just think it's passionate. Peter has a flaw though. It's one we see here. It's one that a lot of us have and it's comparison. Even if all fall away, I never will, Jesus. I, I love you more than the rest of them. They might fall away, but not me. Even if I have to die, I will never disown you. But, and this is a spoiler for what we're about to talk about, Peter does, just like all the rest of them. So this is what Jesus is asking Peter. He's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples in this acapeo way, this perfect, unconditional, unrestricted, unrestrained, noble, intentional, conscious choice? Peter, is that the way that you're going to show me love? And Peter answers Jesus, right? But not in that brash, bold, Peter-esque, aggressive sort of way. 
He, he doesn't say, Jesus, I love you more than all of them over there. They're just looking at us. Like, I'm here with you, Jesus, and I love you. He just says a simple, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But not exactly. Because Peter doesn't say, you know I acapeo you. In response to Jesus' question, we're going to actually look at the next Greek word and what we can learn from philia. So Peter responds, you know I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my lambs. We're going to follow up in verse 16. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More specifically, do you acapeo me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love. And Peter uses a different Greek word. He says, phileo you then take care of my sheep. So Peter actually does it twice. He does it again. He answers Jesus using a different word than the one that Jesus uses in his question. That word philio is going to be up on the screens if you want to write down the Greek. I just think it looks amazing. It means love. But just like agape, not just love, not how we typically think of it at least, One of the commentaries I read said this about filio, that filio denotes personal attachment and is more a matter of sentiment or feeling. It is devotion based in the emotions, distinguished from acapeo, which represents devotion based in the will. Say it another way, filio is chiefly of the heart, whereas agape is chiefly of the head. Peter uses a different word. And I want us to understand this. He doesn't just use a different word like, like we would if we had a specific way of speaking or a specific, you know, if we had a preference to the words that we use. For example, if, if somebody asks you, hey, how's it going? Like, hey, how's everything going? You could respond with, hey, every, everything's going, it's okay. You could say, everything's fine. For the most part, most people, they would say, well, that means about the same thing. Okay, fine, similar words, similar connotation, probably means the same thing. Unless you ask your spouse that question, in which case, those mean very different things. Um, one of them is actually okay, the other one is a four-letter word, fine, is taking the place of, but I'm getting sidetracked. Okay, for our situation though, for us, Peter deliberately chooses to use a different word, phileo, which is still love, but it's a different love. It's a love that has to do with common interests, with finding delight in the other person. It's a love that's typically based on feeling and sentiment. It's an emotional love, and and more closely, it's translated to tender affection. So why does he use this word? Well, if we remember, agapeo demands action. It's, It's a requirement of it. It's not just tender affection. It's not just common interest. It's showing that then through will. And I can't prove this, but I imagine Peter might have been remembering a time not too long ago in his past, right before the crucifixion. In fact, it's this moment that Peter's probably thinking of that causes the interaction he's currently having with Jesus. We're going to read about it in John 18. It says this, that Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. So, Context, why are they following him? This is right after the garden and Jesus has been arrested by the Pharisees. He's been taken to the high priest to stand trial for his accused crime. So Peter and the other disciple is John. They're, they're following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. 
The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to a servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. John had connections, guys. Like John was a man who knew how to throw around his influence a little bit. So he brings Peter in. Verse 17, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials, they stood around a fire they had made to keep them warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. We're gonna jump a few verses because we wanna find out what happens with Peter. So meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servant, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, which when Jesus got arrested, Peter actually took a sword, cut a guy's ear off because he didn't want them to take Jesus. Like Peter, Peter knew how to have action, okay? He was a brash guy. He was ready to get aggressive. So this guy, he's like, I feel like you might've cut off my friend's ear, my cousin's ear. Um, but so he challenges him. He says, didn't I see you with him in the garden? You think you'd remember who the guy with the sword was. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? But again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Simon, son of John, do you acapeo me? Is there action to your love, Peter? Do you mean it? Peter, I just, I imagine he, he must be thinking, Jesus, I know I messed up. I know my actions didn't match up to what I said they were going to, but you, you know, Jesus, you know me. You, you know I care about you. I phileo you. Some people, you might be thinking that I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, that these two words, that they both mean love, and it, it might not actually be that big of a deal that, that you could use them interchangeably. And there's actually some commentaries that believe that. They say that just because Peter's saying phileo and Jesus is using a different word, it's not that big of a deal. But I want us to just see something real quick. Speaking specifically about this passage in John 21, this interaction between Peter and Jesus, one of the commentaries said this specifically about these two verbs, acapeo and phileo, that the distinction between the two verbs remains and they are never used indiscriminately in the same passage, meaning they aren't interchangeable. They, they don't mean the same thing. If each is used with reference to the same objects as just mentioned, because they're both talking about Jesus, each word retains its distinctive and essential character. So it definitely means something different. Peter recognizes what Jesus is asking. And Jesus asks him twice just to make sure that Peter doesn't want to change his answer. But the story isn't over yet because Jesus asks him a third time. And it's in this third question that something does change, but it's not Peter who changes. Verse 17 says, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. It's in this third question that Jesus changes. It's in this third question that we actually get to see our big idea for today, that Jesus meets us where we're at. Because Jesus doesn't ask Peter, do you acapeo me? Instead, he asks Peter, do you phileo me? Hurt or not, Peter says, Lord, you know everything and you know I do. So Jesus answers, feed my sheep. So let's talk about some application. So where do we go from here, right? What, what do we do knowing these different loves? Their definitions, examples, what happens with them? What, what are we supposed to take away from this word study? Well, what if I told you that it's actually okay for you to forget everything we have just talked about when it comes to love? 
that these ideas about agape and philia aren't actually the most important thing that we should be looking at inside of this scripture. And I know that can seem really unfair for all of you who have been sitting through this word study with me. You've been taking notes, you've been promised some fantastic revelation, and you know what's coming, and I'm sorry that I'm letting you down right now, but, but it's true. This sermon could have actually been about five minutes long. Um, I just, I knew you guys didn't want that. You didn't want the five-minute sermon, so that's why, you know, we're here. We see in this passage that for Jesus, it didn't matter whether Peter used the Greek word agape or philia when it came to describing his love for Jesus because all that Jesus wanted was Peter's love. It didn't matter the kind. This is maybe the best thing that I can leave you guys with. Jesus didn't force Peter to meet him at his level. And Jesus had every right to. I mean, he literally, he just died for Peter. He spent three years living his life with Peter, teaching Peter. I mean, Jesus didn't even condemn Peter for falling away, for disowning him after he said he wouldn't. Jesus doesn't even hold Peter to his past declarations of love for him. He simply asked him, in this moment, right now, Peter, do you love me? And then Jesus kept loving him and continued to choose him to be the man that he would build his church upon. For Peter and for us, Jesus' question is the same. Do you love me? Do you acapeo me? Feed my lambs. Do you phileo me? Okay, feed my sheep. I think a lot of Christians, just like Peter, we, we get stuck playing this comparison game. We, we look at other Christians and we think to ourselves, well, I don't, I don't do Christianity like that. I, I don't love God the way they do. I, I don't worship like them. I, I don't spend hours every day in prayer, hours every day in scripture, hours every week serving the church. So I'll, I'll never be able to compete with them. I'll never be as good as them. I'll never reach their level of faith. Let's get more personal. I'm not as good of a Christian because of the mistakes I've made. Why would Jesus love me after I did that, after I said that? I bet Peter was asking that question, thinking it to himself. Maybe you're thinking, I've already failed before, Jesus. If I try again, I might screw this up. I don't know if I can handle that. Let's get more personal. I will never be as good of a Christian because I struggle with anxiety. I will never be enough because I struggle with depression. I, I, I'm not gonna be a good Christian because there are days I struggle with wanting to live. And why would Jesus want that? Why, why would God desire me? Maybe you're here today and you think, I, I love Jesus, but... What if I don't love him enough? What if I'm too broken? What if I never get past what, what I struggle with? I think if Jesus was right in front of us and this is what we were saying, his question and his response, it wouldn't change. I feel like Jesus standing in front of us, he would say, hey, I, I know all that. I know you truly, deeply, wholly, <laughs> can't hide it from me. 
and I love you. I'm not worried about all that because I'm here in front of you and I love you. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The application doesn't change regardless of how you feel towards Christ, whether you agapeo or at a phileo level. He requires the same of you. Take care of people, love each other, feed his flock. What's love got to do with it? Well, the answer is everything. And at the exact same time, nothing. I mean, God's, God's love for us, it means everything. His, his love is what gave us Jesus. It's what saved us from our sins. It's what let us find true life in this broken, broken word, world. But, it, but it's nothing. Nothing we can earn. Nothing we can achieve. It's nothing short of the greatest miracle of all time. So we're going to show some love today. More specifically, we're going to show Jesus that we phileo him by doing exactly what he told us to do. We're going to feed his sheep. Today is a $1 challenge here at the church. Out in the lobby, there's this big red heart. People have already been filling it up that if you brought a dollar or whatever monetary value you want to donate, you can stick it in there. And all of that money that we raise today is going to go to an organization called the Unaccompanied Student Initiative. And what this organization does is it loves on and serves homeless teens in Laramie County. Along with that, we had these shirts created um, for this Sunday only with the Greek word phileo on them. They are $20 and all the proceeds from these shirts are also going to go to the Unaccompanied Student Initiative. Um, there are, we only ordered 50 shirts. It was a terrible idea on my part. Um, so I know we're already out of some sizes. There's some large and extra large out at the store still that we have here on hand. But here's what I want you guys to know. If you, if you want to buy one, or if you want them for Christmas presents, or you want more than 50, which if you do, that's awesome. You can order as many as you want. Um, what we don't have here on hand with us today at the church, we are going to place an order for, and you'll be able to, we'll contact you, we'll get all your information, we'll contact you when the shirts come in, and we'll make sure that you get a Phileo shirt if you would like one. Um, same goes with if you're online with us today, if you're watching live from home, we want you to be a part of this as well. We want you to partner with us in this outreach opportunity. So there should be a link there that you can follow and you can order a Phileo shirt online as well. As many as you guys want, we will make sure that everyone gets one that wants one. And just again, it's for today only. We're, we're not going to have these shirts in the future. You won't be able to come back next week and pick one up. And the reason for that is all the money that we're raising today from the heart to our outreach is actually going to match us dollar for dollar up to $1,500. And then all of the t-shirt sales, everything that we, we raise today, we're going to bless the Unaccompanied Student Initiative with it right before the holidays, living out what Jesus told us, feed his sheep. So one last thing. And honestly, the most important thing that I could tell you today, we've spent this entire time talking about Jesus's love for us. And maybe you're here today and you don't know if you love Jesus. You can't answer phileo or acapeo, and that's okay. Because Jesus meets us where we're at. His love for us is what sent him to the cross to die in our place, the death that we deserve for our sins. And then three days later, God raised him from the grave so that everyone could put their faith in him and experience eternal life. You don't earn it. 
You don't have to achieve it. You're not competing for it. You don't even have to be at acapeo for it to be true for you. You just have to confess your sins and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So if you're here today and you want to place your faith in Jesus, would you just pray this prayer with me silently in your heart? Father in heaven, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for my sins and that you raised him from the grave. And I put my faith in him, Lord. Forgive me of my sins, wash me new, make me a new creation and help me live my life for Jesus. It's in your name that I pray, amen. If you're here today and you for the first time uh, just put your faith in Jesus, I just wanna say something to you guys. Welcome to the family. If you're online and you did as well, the same goes for you. We're so excited to have you be a part of this family. This is the best decision you will ever make. It's the hardest one to live out. And so we wanna partner with you. We wanna walk alongside you. We wanna give you some resources. And maybe above all, we wanna celebrate with you this decision that you've made. You can text the word one to 41400. Online, you can click the link there as well. We just wanna celebrate with you. We're so excited you have made this choice. I wanna leave you guys with this. Regardless of where you feel you're at, you're loved, deeply loved. You're dearly loved. Jesus acapeos you. And this call, his, his call on your life, it, it remains the same. It's for each and every one of us. Take care of one another. Feed his lambs. Take care of his sheep. Feed his sheep. It's a beautiful call that we get to answer to. And church, we have work to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for your love, agape, divine, unrestricted, unrestrained, unconditional love that, that we, we can't earn. We don't even deserve. And yet, God, you stand before us and you say, I choose you. I give this to you. Take this. I pray each and every person here, Lord, that, that they would freely receive your love. And God, for those of us here who call ourselves Christian, who, who do, who long to love you, I pray that your love would be reflective in our hearts. Lord, help us live out your call. Help us take care of your flock. Lord, be with us this week. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. Help us love each other and love you more. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So a couple of things before you guys leave. If you're new, we'd love to meet you in the living room. It's just out the back doors and across the lobby. We'd love to just, just meet you and answer any questions. And if you're in need of any prayer today, we have an incredible prayer team here at the church. They meet back at the purple tent in the back of the auditorium, and they would love to talk and pray with anything that's on your heart today. I love you guys. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. You guys can go in peace. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.